a word that the Lord has just been brewing in my heart is the importance of the way I see God. You understand? The way I see God. The way I see God determines everything about the way I live my life. Okay? I'll tell you a little bit about this, a little bit about where this stemmed from um, as briefly as I can while still giving you the full details. Um, I was praying with somebody over a matter that is very important. Okay? As you guys have been praying over matters that are very important. Um, things that sometimes seem like this is, this is a stretch. Boy, our faith is stretched to the max. And I was sharing a little bit about this with Eric at the gas station. Um, um, I asked him to join me in prayer and it was great. Except his prayer is a little different than mine. You guys know how to fight when you pray. Okay, because you have this understanding of who God is that enables you to pray a little bit different. You understand what I'm saying? When we have this understanding of who God really is, then it affects the way we pray. It affects the way we live. It affects the way that we face certain trials that come our way. And this is not to knock anybody. I enjoy him praying with me usually. But on this occasion... When you're warring for something, when life and death weighs in the balance, you don't want, you don't want pansy prayer. You don't want, you don't want a prayer that doesn't really grasp the reality of who God is. God is a miracle worker. God is my redeemer. God is our uh, savior. God is our deliverer. And so we should pray as such, right? Amen. We should worship, worship as such. And I get redundant with opening our services, as probably does Eric. We don't have but so many phrases that we can come up with. But all, all that all that I think about telling to our people as we're beginning is, just worship like you've been set free. Boy, if we could just simplify it to that. When, when I finally understood what Jesus really did for me and what He daily does for me, Praising got a whole lot easier. It didn't take any work at all, really. And I never really seemed to care at all who watched after that because once you've been set free, once you've been set free, you just, you just worship. You just praise Him. So tonight, as, as best I can, I want to talk a little bit about the way you see God. And the way you see God is everything. The way you see God in your life determines everything about who you are and what you accomplish and how you pray and how you praise and your passion for the lost and your passion to just see the kingdom of God rush forward. It's about how we see God. Some people see God as um, a genie in a bottle. Some people see God as um, this... Um, and it, and it wraps us up in legalism. Some people see God in so many different ways and, and unlike other things where it's open to, uh, interpretation, I guess. Some people have different political views and so it causes them to vote a certain way. There is one truth. God is truth, right? Yeah. Are y'all with me, guys? Yeah. I'm not confusing you, am I? I'm not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. God, all we have is you. God, if your word, Lord, your word is powerful enough to change us, 
And God, we all want to change because we all want to be abounding. We want to be more like you every day. And so, Father, help us tonight as your word comes forth. Father, uh, bring out clearly what you want to bring out. And Father, nothing more and nothing less. God, as family in this room, Lord, as people hungry for the same miraculous move of God, Lord, we thank you that you have placed us together. Lord, though a few miles separate some of us, God, we are family. Lord, we are devoted to advancing your kingdom together. And so, Father, we ask tonight in the name of Jesus that the power of your Holy Spirit will speak. That you will speak to our hearts like never before, God. Change us because of your word. Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just pulled out the little notepad on the plane to doodle for a minute. And so let me look down and see what came out, Ben's. I hadn't looked at it till now. Um, the way you see God is everything. If I see God as the miracle worker, then, then my prayer is that. When I pray, I can expect to see Him perform a miracle. When, if I have a full understanding of who God is, not the craziest relative or the, the, the furthest soul from salvation is all that lost. Because God can grip their soul. Okay? Everything about who we are in our life and the power we have or lack thereof hinges upon the way we see God. Okay? Amen? Amen. If we don't keep tension on this kind of line... See, I'm in a crowd. I say this every time I'm here because I'm in a crowd where it's, it's, it just spurs me to be here, guys. I aspire to have worship services and prayer meetings and, and just the power of God displayed like you guys get to walk in weekly. We're moving towards it. God's sending us and assembling a good team in Gainesville, Amen. Virginia. Amen. Okay? He's, he's brought my brother and sister-in-law and their family along. You guys remember Kelly? Okay? Brought her and her husband along. He's bringing some other families in and we're just trying to stay humble and stay passionate to seek that, that God would just move in our midst. And I want to keep tension on this line in my life because I need to constantly be devoted and focused on the fact that if I'm not pursuing this relentlessly backwards is the only way we go and it doesn't it doesn't oftentimes look like a clean a clean out abandoning although we see that happen okay we see that happen but sometimes it can look like something like passivity okay passivity maybe in the way i pray or 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 passivity uh being passive about um, this specific vision we can get we can get branched off guys i'm preaching this because it happens to me okay it happens to me that if I'm not careful to be um, diligent to what God has asked us to do, then maybe, maybe one Sunday I find myself early in the morning praying that God would send lots of people to fill my chairs rather than send His presence to just saturate the few of us that He's given. You see, and if, if we're not careful to keep tension on this line, 
Then all of a sudden maybe I'm praying over someone passively instead of expecting and knowing who my God is. You know who my God is? That has to be your mindset. Wait, you know who my God is? And I'm just in a room looking at a bunch of miracles. Looking at miracles. And it's so sweet. Go to, um, I want to go to a couple of scriptures. Thank you all for bringing up the, um, those words, those prophecies. Boy, they just kind of uh, affirmed and confirmed that um, this is what I need to, to share on tonight. Um, what happens when our perspective gets a little messed up? You go to uh, the book of Acts chapter number 8 with me. All of our actions flow out of the intentions of our heart. I'm just going to read a couple examples that popped in my mind as Kathleen and I are flying on the airplane and share them. And um, in Acts chapter number eight, we see how um, a messed up perspective can leave can lead to messed up actions. And um, I'm not saying I'm looking at a room full of magicians or sorcerers. Not at all. Not at all. But I know that if I'm not careful to keep tension on this line, that I have to be so devoted to making sure I have a clean understanding, a clean knowledge, a, a right knowing of who God is, that, I, that my actions might be accordingly, so I can pray and see God move, so that we can plan a church and see it prevail. So that we can see family members set free and souls set free. And though it may not happen as rapidly or in, the, in a manner that we thought, we stay true to what God has called us to because we know who He is. Yes. And, when we, and when we know who He is, it helps us keep going. We just keep going. Okay? Not any profound words. We just, you're able to keep going. When you know who God is, when you've seen what God has done, and you know that the same is true for your life. The same is true. And I want to start off with an example in the book of Acts. A messed up perspective. Y'all know who Simon is, right? You know who Simon is. And he sees, obviously, Philip, um, Philip's ministry has quite an impact on him, right? What's Simon used to doing? He's used to marveling people with his magic. You know? He's used to making people think, well, what does it say? He's used to making people think. Let's take off reading in verse number 9. Uh, there was a man named Simon uh, who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, and what were they saying? This man is what is called the great power of God. You see, Simon, and, and they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. And when they believed Philip preaching, but when they believed Philip 
preaching the good news about the kingdom of God. There you go. What can, what can topple the kingdom of God? Nothing. There is no hoax that can topple what God has, the power that God offers. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of who? Come on, whose name? Jesus Christ. They were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. The power of God will amaze any magician any day because the power of God is supernatural, divine, it's holy, it's good. Right. So, but let's go on here. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and he prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they began laying, laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them what? He offered them money. Okay? Saying, give this authority to me as well. And why? Why do we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So we can cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead, and tell the devil, go. Right? What's what's Simon's perspective here? Yeah, this self-seeking power. And if we don't keep tension on this line, it'll happen to us. That's how I find myself in a little storefront worried about how I'm going to be able to fill up a building rather than the presence of God. And I won't succumb to those lies. I'm not going to do it. I've rebuked it. I got brothers around me to beat it out of me. It's flesh. It's flesh. Oh, God, it's flesh. But all of a sudden, one day, if we don't keep tension on this line, y'all know what I'm saying when I say keep tension on the line? It's so you don't get your axle ripped out and wind up in a ditch, right? <laughs> you keep tension on the line so that you keep moving forward. And it's, we seem so far from Simon. I seem myself, I'm telling you, I seem so far from Simon. But when I catch myself praying for something that's self-seeking, I realize that I'm heading down that slippery slope to his camp. Um, he says, give this, astor- uh, give this authority to me as well so that everyone who I lay hands may receive the Spirit. But Peter said to him, here we go, you ready? May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. There's an exclamation point behind that. How do you think he said that? You think, you think it was like this? Come here. You know, let your, you know, no, it was vigorous. You know why? Because Peter had a knowledge of who God was. And this was absolute, absolute disgust. It's disgusting. And so that's why he says it may be more like this. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. 
You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, the attention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in a gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Oh, this church, these you family of mine and me. Simon is far from us, but we must keep tension on the line that never an instance arrives to where we don't, that our thoughts of God are not right to the extent that they make us seek it in this matter. See, when, when your perspective of God gets off, your actions get off, and I'm sharing you that testimony from the, uh, from the praying for the people thing because it lets you into my heart a little bit about what, a, um, what, struggles, um, what struggles are that will attack me. I want to be transparent. Doesn't bombard me every day, but there's times when you'll look at five and you'll wonder, what in the world? And God says, that's not up to you. You take care of who I send. You be devoted to raise up who I send. And don't compromise. And don't become flaky to draw a crowd. See, I'm looking at a crowd of however many of us there are. I mean, I wouldn't trade this for the world. There's not a, there's not a two, three, four, ten thousand congregation church that, that can just um, that can just satisfy the longing of a soul like this kind of fellowship. And you can look over and see young people praying for each other. And you can see little ones kneeling at the altar when you see powerful words of prophecy come forward and we're all of one mind and one accord and that's to advance the kingdom of God. Let's not let our perspective get off. Let's know who God is. Let's know who God is that we might constantly beat Him down and never let that flesh well up. Come on. Now, y'all ain't going to let me hang out here alone, are you? Has anybody got that flesh they wrestle against? Okay, Jennifer does. There we go. See, I'm feeling a little bit better now. Keep tension on the line, Jennifer. Trust me, it only only gets harder. I want to um, take us to Luke 9, Luke 9, just to give a different uh, perspective. Um, Luke 9, it's how we, it's how we, um, you know, we see a big miracle when we remain faithful and we remain, when we remain in that posture of praise, we will see miracles, we'll see God move, we'll see We'll see lost souls swept into the kingdom of God. But we must know constantly who God is. And I was glad for those words that came forward because now um, I remember the three, but I don't remember the passages. But I know one was Isaiah 43.10. It was that you may know. Um, In Luke chapter 9...
maybe starting 49. Uh, John answered and he said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to prevent him because he's not, he doesn't follow along with us. And Jesus said, do not hinder him for he who is not against you is for you. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead of him. And they went and they entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him, but they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Uh, but he turned and rebuked them. Okay? Uh, I, I like to think I walk around with this kind of ambition, as do many of you. It's just in us. It's what warriors have. Right? Okay? That ambition. That desire. For whatever reason, Jesus turns. And what does He offer them? A rebuke. And they said, He says, You don't know what kind of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Before we talk about... um, Let's go to Matthew 16. And I just want to couple together a thought here. Uh, Matthew chapter number 16. Um... This is after Jesus feeds um, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus feeds the 4,000 in Matthew chapter 15. Um, He gets to 16, it says... um, The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them when it was evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs and times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and a sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and he went away and the disciples came together to the other side of the sea but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus says to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus hears this discussion. Okay? You got to understand what's going on here, guys. Tell me what happened in chapter 15. Shout it out. Anybody from Miss Cluster? What happened in chapter 15? 4,000 people. Right? How many people is that? Cody, how many people is that? It's 4,000 people. Right? It's 4,000 people. And they're in a boat and they forgot to take bread. And Jesus turns and He hears them having a discussion. Okay? It's a discussion about how are they going to eat? They don't have any bread. Okay? What I'm getting at here with this, is there's times where it's the best intentions, it's, everything is right. Everything is right. From our perspective. But do you know we still can't bank on that. We have to bank on the fact that God is right. And when we know God, then our actions will be right. 
Because many times I've seen God do something great, only the next day to wonder if He would still be there for me. You understand what I'm saying? Many times we've walked through battles that are thick and difficult, only the next day to wonder, is God going to take care of me now? And if I don't keep tension on that line to know who God is, to be very familiar with His Word to the extent that I'm not caught waxing and waning. Does anybody know those terms? Because I would love to teach you today. Tell me what they mean. What waxes and wanes? Yes, the moon. Or the tide. And wax would be an increase and a wane would be a decrease. You understand? Waxing and waning. That can't be us, guys. If I know who God is, then I'll remember and be mindful that when the battle arises, He's with me. That when I don't understand, He's there. That the the fact that He performed this yesterday is not going to find me in a boat faithless the next day. The fact that I want to I want to, that my words and my actions would be of His Spirit. I don't, want him to, I don't want Him to look at my well-meaning ambition, as nice as it is, and say, what spirit are you of, son? I came to bring life. And that's what I'm asking you to bring. You can leave the rest of the junk at home. And you know, He's told me that lately. And I'm trying to bear my heart in the best way I can that we might all successfully daily know who God is. And I, Amen. you know who God is, right? And I know who God is. But the opposite of abounding is going backwards. And we must go forwards. Therefore, we must be reminded that we keep tension on the line. Um, I want to read a few verses. Would you take advice from a man named Joshua? Absolutely. Why would you take advice from a man named Joshua? Shout it out to him, anybody. Come on, help me out. He finished the call. He was a man of God. What else? Who would take the advice of Joshua and why? Huh? With Moses. What else? Look at his actions. Look at his, that man, what a warrior. Who would you rather have battle advice from? The man who watched it on TV or the man who did it? So you're saying you would take, it, you would take um, a word from Joshua, wouldn't you? If you go to Joshua 23, it just says something that we must know about God daily. As Eric was saying when we started, we're praising Him. We're going to give Him praise because of the victories, but we know that there's more battles yet to fight through. And all the way, we'll praise Him. And all the way, we'll pray though in a way that lets the world know that there's something different about our God and we know it. Joshua 23.3. Read it. 23.3. Everything the Lord your God has done for all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. That's something that you and I can never forget all the days of our lives. 
Because there's, there's highs and there's lows. And in the midst of them all, what do we have to remember? It's God who fights for us. Amen. And when you know, and I'm not talking about just knowing. I'm talking about when you know that you serve a God who fights for you. Then really, what do you have to fear? You can get a word and just go. Because he's going to fight for you. You pack up and move to a new city with full confidence. Why? Why will you have full confidence, Mike? Because he's faithful and he'll fight for you. He's faithful and he will fight for you. And see, you gotta, we have to know that about God every day of our lives. Every day. I know he's fighting for us. He's fighting for me. He wants me to seek Him. He wants me to long to be close to Him. But these battles that I try to carry, these loads that I try to to solve, they're not for me. They're not for me. And I'll take some advice from Joshua. Won't you? Won't you? You'll take some advice from Joshua, right, Cody? He says He'll fight for you. You don't have to carry this stuff all by yourself. And if you don't keep tension on the line, you'll wake up one morning and you're fighting that battle that you have no business fighting. You have no business fighting it. He wants to fight for you. And sometimes it's in our ignorance. I'll share this testimony. Um, Kathleen had a relative that gave us a call didn't know how long they would have to live, maybe maybe days, maybe maybe what? I don't know. But he was in Bethesda, Maryland. And so it was it was on me for some reason, though they had called many times before and the time didn't work out to, to go. Like today is the day. Have no idea why. So I called Jake. I said, you know, saddle the horses, we're going to Bethesda, Maryland in rush hour traffic. And so we take off and we have no idea what what lies ahead. And even in our ignorance, he was fighting for us because we didn't talk about what we would say when we got there. We didn't care about the traffic. We didn't even care that we drove to the wrong hospital. We drove to the wrong hospital. Jake and I were talking about um, relationship stuff probably, family stuff what guys talk about when they really want to be warriors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If all ain't well in the home, you ain't ready for battle. And he was counseling me, actually. In our ignorance, we just go. And God's fighting for us. We don't have, we don't have no idea that He's fighting for us. And we're sitting in traffic that's, you know, it took us two hours to drive 30 miles. And we, um, we finally get to the right hospital. Oh, my heart starts beating fast because that's when it drops on me that, you know, the last time I was at this hospital was Kathleen's mother. And that instant feeling of, oh, defeat pops in us. But we rebuke it. Okay? Same hallway, same door, same everything. But we walk down it. And, you know, we find his room and to find him awake and alert. A man who wasn't like a rebel to the things of God, but Jesus was never something he was open to. And so, 
you know, I go in to try to, to try to say that I'm here to see you, love on you, but we got different intentions. And so I, I don't know how much time I have, so I instantly jump into the thing. And Jake just huddles down and starts praying. I can just hear that, that utter behind me. Just, it was good. So I start talking to him, and I can see that the Holy Spirit is really moving. The man's heart is soft. This isn't some kind of deathbed. Let me say a, a couple of right words to make sure it's right. I know it wasn't. I know it. I know it was not. And he, he, I talked to him about Jesus and, and I was like, um, you know, Joe, you need to ask Jesus to come set you free. And he's like, yes, I want to do that. Maybe expecting me to pray or something. I told him, I was like, you have to call on the name of Jesus. I can't do it for you. We, we, but if you believe he's working in your heart, that he's saying today, uh, call upon me and I'll give you life. And then do it. And I just grabbed his hand and closed my eyes and would see what would happen. And he started to pray, Jesus, Jesus, save me, rescue me. See, we, weren't, we didn't really pray going in much, except right in the parking lot. God was fighting for us. So it was real. The Holy Ghost was there, guys. This man, this man prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life. Okay? I don't want it to seem all solemn. Hallelujah. He got born again, right? And we walked out of that hospital. And I stood on the sidewalk, the same sidewalk I stood on some years ago and thought, this, I haven't been in a tragedy this great before. Same sidewalk. And I got to say, devil, you have nothing on us. We, we went into the enemy's camp and we just stole one right back. Do you know we hadn't drove 15 miles? And we got a call. By the time I walked in the door, I could hear Kathleen crying upstairs. He died 20 minutes after we left the hospital. 20 minutes. You talk about souls weighing in the balance. That's why I love that song, Miss Joe. Because I want to I wanna snatch them out. Even if it's at the last minute, though it doesn't have to be. But that's not my point tonight. My point tonight is, from that testimony, is, boy, does he fight for us and it's good. Does that mean we shouldn't pray when we go to hospital visits? No, that's not what I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you, though, that when your heart is right and you have this understanding of who God really is, He's going to fight your battles for you. All you got to do is remain in position. You got to remain in a righteous state of living. You got to remain passionate about seeking His Word. You got to, you got to desire daily to be full of His Holy Ghost. And then you got to go knowing that He's fighting for me. I don't have to have savvy words to convince this man because God went ahead of me and fought for me. And I'm fully convinced that his soul was snatched right from the clutches of the enemy. Snatched right away. We went, I went right into a camp that several years earlier we were absolutely weeping uncontrollably in front of to stand victorious and say, how do you like me now? Because... Jesus, because Jesus set him free. 
Jesus set him free. He fights for us. I wanted to read something from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 3. Y'all still with me? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter number 3 is another thing uh, similar in line with that. If you go to verse number um, 24, and these are the conquests being recounted, okay? You know what Moses saw, right? Joshua and all those guys. Y'all familiar with that? You stand before the Red Sea and and you watch it part. I mean, what do you think of that? When you see waters come from dry and bitter wells, what do you think of that? When you see the, the miracles that God performed. I want to listen to the men that were in and amongst that. Just like I listened to you. You guys call me, text me with words. It means something. Because I know you spend time with the one who's given it to you. And in Deuteronomy 23, I like what it says in verse number... Um, I said 23, man. I said 3. Deuteronomy 3, verse 23. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, You have begun to show Your servant Your greatness and Your strong hand. God has a strong hand. And that sounds so petty to some of us because it's just like, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a strong hand? You know, though, that image that God doesn't let us go is beautiful. You know that? You think of the things in this life that are fleeting. Some of the things that we devote a lot of our time to are fleeting. And there's God, and He's saying, My hand's strong. My hand is strong. And I will protect you. And I will guide you. And I will guard you. In the midst of our battles, guys, when we're praying for miracles that seem like they're just a little bit out of reach, we say, No, they're not out of reach. Because we know who our God is. And a clear understanding of who God is sets us ablaze for revival because we're unstoppable. Not for ourselves. Not like Simon. We don't carry that spirit. Like we're unstoppable. Give, we say, because of the power of Christ in us, the devil cannot stop us. The devil cannot beat us down. There's no hope. He has no hope to stop what God sets in motion. Oh, these scripture verses I wrote down. What do they mean? Philippians 2. Just go there. <laughs> Philippians 2. Sorry, guys. You're getting, you're getting a last-minute nugget, but with all my heart, this is what I've been studying on. So bear with me. It's not polished, but it doesn't have to be. Amen. Let's just keep tension on the line to know God. To know Him for who He is. So that you'll be a miracle worker. That you'll be a soul rescuer. That you'll be a Holy Ghost filled, anointed. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you know who God is and you act like that. 
You act like it. When I go in public and in private, I act like I'm Kathleen's husband, not just in public. You see how you catch yourself there? You got to be careful. Doesn't matter where I'm at. She's my wife. And I act like that because I know that. Okay? When you know God, you act like you know God. And I know we know that. You know what I'm saying? I know we know that. But that tension on the line to be reminded that you might not find yourself at an altar one morning praying for more people and hear God gag at a prayer such as that. Sad. Come on, Pastor. I'm with you. Yeah. The presence of God. Perspective. You know who God is. You know how to pray rightly. Let's go to Philippians and then I got Peter. And then that's all I have written down. And so we're going to trust that and go. Philippians. Philippians, thank you guys for letting me speak to you just as family. I'm coming just as a, a family member tonight, okay? No sermon, no nothing, just this is my heart, guys. Of Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to pick up here in verse number 1. To know God, to have the mind of God. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Maintain the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know God. You know the humility of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you know that that's what is expected of your life. And to follow that up, when you know God, you know the power of His Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? You know God. You know the humility of Jesus. And you know that sacrifice that He made that will leave you dancing for the rest of your life because when you've been set free, you dance and you praise Him because you deserved hell and He set you free. And when you know God, you know the power of the Holy Ghost that raised that Son from the dead. And you know God, you know that that same power flows through you. And so we lay hands on the sick and we don't have to pray (coughs) softly. We pray knowing our God. My God is Redeemer. My God is Healer. I'm going to praise Him either way. 
But I'm going to pray a prayer that expresses that there's a fight in me. There's got to be fight in us. When there's the knowledge of God, there's fight in you. I don't know how it could not be. He sent them in the houses and said, just go ahead and heal everybody in there. You know? I find myself all too often bowed down saying, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want. Well, he knows that. He wants me to step up my game a bit. And say, in the name of Jesus, get up. In the name of Jesus, live. In the name of Jesus, be set free. And that's knowing our God. And that's not a, and, and it's not a pass to abuse it. It's a pass to understand the, the pureness of what it is. It's real. He's real. Don't ever let me say it's. Rebuke me from the audience if you ever hear that. Because I got a problem with that. It's not a it. He is a him. And he, abides in you and when you know that you walk around knowing that and then what I say some second Peter second Peter guys um, second Peter chapter one yeah I know why I wrote this down look how it goes in verse 12. He's saying, therefore, I'm always ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and you've been established. Because as long as I'm here, I'm supposed to remind you, he says. And why? Go back up a few verses. You see those characteristics he mentions? What does it say? Apply diligence. And then in your faith, supply moral excellence. I'm sorry, I'm in 2 Peter 1, and now I've jumped down to like uh, verse number 5. So now for this very reason also apply all diligence in your faith. Supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours, right? What's the, what's the rest of the sentence say? There you go. That's why we keep talking about knowing God more because there must be an increase. And he speaks right here very clearly. If these are yours, and the sentence doesn't end there, if these are yours and are abounding, if these are yours and are becoming more and more and more and more a part of, a part of your life. See, we're all brotherly kind to one another, right? But next time we meet, it should be even more. It should be abounding even more and more. We love each other, right? Do you love me? Youth group, do y'all love me? Tell me how much. So much. Yes. And I love you. And the next time we meet, we're going to love each other even more because it's got to be abounding. Okay? What about perseverance? Abounding. Does perseverance run low, Curtis? No. We got to be abounding. We have to keep moving forward. Go to Deuteronomy with me. This will be the last one. Deuteronomy, chapter number 33. This is my little saying that I said to myself for the week. I try to give myself little sayings, little snapshots. And then when I'm done, Kathleen, if you would like to share. I was just standing here reading and I thought that maybe 
they will be blessed to hear from the beautiful blonde. And if not, she'll beat me up later for putting her on the spot. She's probably got a good little nugget, good little hello. This right here got me. This right here. Okay? Knowing God, right? This little sentence got me. Understanding eternity is the cure-all for passivity. That was my little statement that got me. I'm in Deuteronomy 33 and I'm reading somewhere around verse 27 where it says, The eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. Everlasting. And see, we mentioned this word before, fleeting. There's so many things that are fleeting. It's here and then it's gone. It's here and then it's gone. And I got to know and I got to live my life knowing that God is everlasting. And that sense of the eternal, it cures passivity. It cures maybe a lack of zeal for the lost souls. Maybe some in here wrestle with that. Maybe you don't. Maybe everybody you see, you want to win to the Lord. I don't. There's times where I'll wrestle with passivity. Like you just don't care. And I'm so tired of that stuff that I'm passive towards it. You know, so passive that on Thanksgiving I was with him. And I should have, I should have, should have. I should have took him out and talked to him and roughed him up and, and just loved on him and said, but I get passive. Number one, because I'm tired of the same old stuff. But number two, because if I don't keep tension on that line, I lose perspective of eternity. The man's soul is at stake. And less than a month later, he's arrested on Christmas Day. And I don't blame myself. I'm not walking around trying to, you know, get a sympathy card. I'm saying I, sh- I was in his, I was in place to do something, but I was passive because my 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 perspective was wrong. Well, my perspective wasn't focused on eternity. When you begin to comprehend what eternity means, it brings some zeal out in you. Yes. Zeal for the lost. Zeal to see the power of God on full display. Zeal to see a standard of righteousness in your life that is pleasing to God. That's what eternity will do. We must know God. And remember this. Everything about who you are will always hinge on what you think about God. What you know about God. If you know He's the redeeming, miracle worker, setting souls free God, when you know He's the humble Jesus who shed His blood, when you know that He's the the pure power, Holy Ghost, desiring to move among us, then you will live your life accordingly. You have the humility that just disarms people. But you have a power that will walk into any hospital room and say, life in the name of Jesus. Okay?
Let's keep the tension on the line to know who God is. Let's look back at the that our at our warriors in the faith and say, that's who God was for them. And it just so happens he is immutable. Anybody know that word? Immutable? What's that mean? He don't change. Doesn't change. That's theology 101 right there. Immutability. He doesn't change. Amen? I'm going to pray, but Kathleen, you got anything to say? Come come stand beside me. And then we'll pray. And then Matt, we got time to worship or something? Or we can close out? Y'all just, can we just worship together? Guys, I want to, I just want to rejoice with you and praise with you. All the victories, all the just everything that we've seen is from our church body and your church body and how it all is connected. I want you to know that, that we war and pray with you guys, um, in unison. I get text messages and I'm in the loop. So we're battling in Virginia as you're battling in Texas. And I love y'all. I love that we're together. Kat, just in case, you got something to say to the, say to the sweet people? They miss you more than me. Come on. I didn't really. It's just furniture. Yeah. I didn't really have anything planned since I wasn't asked to speak. Um, and I didn't get the enjoyment. in the request. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, what I could elaborate with what Zeke shared, well, one, I'm very glad to be here. This is a nice treat to finally be able to come along since Zeke's been able to take all these trips without me um, <laughs> here to visit y'all. But um, though I was sad to leave the kiddos, I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having us. But um, the Lord had actually, what Zeke preached on about our perspective on God, had spoken to my heart back in the fall about it and really convicting when I was probably in one of my pity parties of oh, Lord, you, yes, you provide, yes, you you do this, you, you'll meet my needs. And clear as day, in my quiet time with him, I heard him say, then start acting like it. Oh, okay. You know, okay, you say I provide, then start acting like it. You, you tell other people that I meet your needs, then start acting like that. You know, and so I just really was encouraged and spurred on that in my everyday life. Like, you know what? I am supposed to love and adore my husband, even if he calls me up in front of people and I just am waiting to him. And it's like, then start acting like it. You do everything you do and say, start acting like it. So it can't just be, you know, I say, I say one thing, but when I'm in my home, I need to act like it every, all the time. So the Lord really convicted me and how my perspective is. If I see him as provider, then I need to act like it all the time. So anyway, that was, that was Amen. all really. I don't well, know much, but. Y'all, let's pray together. I just wanted y'all to see Kathleen. She's the one for her. I wouldn't make it. So let's let's pray and then um, and then let's worship together, guys.